We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. Another day closer, another podcast. Kyle, what's going on, dude? Not much. One week. I, I wrote this today, but it sort of sneaked up on me a little bit. Um, I know that sounds weird because I'm doing this every day, but um, I don't know. We've just been producing content, and then all of a sudden there's uh, there's a week to go until football, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. Seven days away, Tatum Bell, number seven. Yeah. What's your what's your best Tatum Bell memory? Um, I, there's not a specific one, but he used to. Um, everybody's got like a thing that they do after they score, and he used to rip the the chin straps pretty good. Oh like, yeah, like he would score and he would just like flip them down like immediately, like <laughs> like as he was crossing the goal line. I always enjoyed that. I thought that was excellent. Well, I enjoyed that he wore like the high socks on his uni and the, my favorite memory is the, the 95 yard touchdown run he had against Texas tech. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. It was, it was great. Did you see the, the post that Kyle Cox wrote about some of the best long plays in Oklahoma state history? No, I missed that one. What he did it on there. He did it last night. Uh, I'll pull it up. Cause there were some really good ones. People, I think people liked it a lot. He had, um, he had two Justin Gilbert, uh, kick returns, which was, which was great, which, which made your heart a flutter. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was amazing. The uh the Whedon or the uh Rudolph to Washington uh throw from the pit game. That's definitely up there. Uh Des Bryant seventy eight yard punt return against A and M. A and M. Yeah, two thousand eight. It was it was I mean, you, you've been you've been touting him as an elite punt returner. I've been trying to tell you. Yeah, I don't even, re- even remember this one. It was pretty good. You need to you need to go look up this post. I think you'll enjoy it. I, um, I'm, I'm on your I'm on your blog right now. This is fake news. I don't see it. <laughs> it's like uh, going deep on the best long plays of the. Yeah, Andy. it's not on the little scroll at the top. That's Gendy where I go era. first. Um, secondary Devin Thomas released from prison. Uh, Roundup. Ah, there it is. You guys post so much, it takes me a while to get down there. There yeah. we go. Uh, Does he have video of this Des punt return? Yeah. Oh, oh, we got it. Yeah. Isn't it funny how like this is from this video is from 2008 and it looks like it's from 1988 <laughs> in quality. And the field, the field looks like it's from 1988. Oh, remember how <laughs> faded the field got to be too? Yeah. All the black like turf stuff that kept coming up. Yeah. Oh was... my! Are you seeing this, Des punt return? <laughs> Is he like? I might have to readjust my rankings and put him even higher. Like you can't tackle him. Looks like a man against like an eighth grade team. Yeah, he's he's he was pretty good. Um, yeah. Okay, so we got Rudolph to Washington for eighty-two yards against Kansas State. I like this one. This was a sneaky, sneaky great one. Um, just because of how tough it's been to win at Kansas State for Oklahoma State in, in recent memory. Uh, How J- crazy was that Kansas State game last year? No, like, it, was in, it was insane. Which game did you think they were losing more? That one, the the Iowa State game? The like Iowa, when- I mean, I, I, I've got the, the, you know, Pavlov thing with Iowa State. Like, anytime they're down by, like, you know, three or more, I'm like, oh, it's over. Like, they lost. It's, you know, so <laughs> I think that's the one that I probably – was the most concerned about but i think the real answer is probably um probably k-state i'm trying to think of tech was a little closer than you wanted it to be um 
Who else? West Virginia, they hammered. The list is long. <laughs> TCU, TCU, they hammered. Uh, Texas, they beat pretty good. I actually didn't get to see that game. Um, Baylor, obviously, they lost to. So, yeah, probably K-State. Yeah, um, I, I still say Iowa State, but K State was up there. We uh, got sure. uh, we got Jamie Blatnick's fifty nine yard uh, fumble return in Bedlam, which was great. Can we talk about how he actually scored and they should have given him the touchdown? Well, it's like the Colton Shelf thing, totally. Except they actually gave him the touchdown and took it away. But <laughs> but Blatnick scores on this play. I'm watching it right now. Like it's a hell of a play by uh, who was it? Uh, looks like. Roy Finch actually tackles him. Ah, his knee might have been down, but just, yeah. just they're scoring anyway. <laughs> like, just call it a touchdown. It was a hell of a play. Uh, we got uh, who? Who stripped him? I think Alex Elkins, underrated player, by the way. Yeah, I brought his name up recently when we were doing our number countdown, thirty-seven, and uh, Brian Keating was like, "Really, Alex Elkins, the best 37? I was like, "Dude, he was good. And he 30, was a really good linebacker." And thirty-seven is not exactly like you know. Number twelve, <laughs> right? Um, yep, it was Ty- Elkins, by the way. Tyreek's punt return at OU, uh, which we're, we're, we are allowed to talk about, right? Yeah, even though yeah, we are. <laughs> which um, is just kind of funny, you know, like how it's it's like maybe the most maybe the most famous play in OSU history, as far as Bedlam's concerned, and yeah. people like don't even want to talk about it because yeah. of Tyreek, but um, still a great play. Mike Hamilton's 83-yard touchdown against Tech in 05, Gundy's first conference win. Tech was ranked like 15 at the time. Wow. Yeah. Did she lose that game? No, Oklahoma State won. That was Gundy's first Big 12 win. It was his only wow. Big 12 win that year, I think. Let's say 05, there weren't many wins. Yeah. But uh... Uh, Rudolph to Washington against Pitt. Josh Stewart's punt return against TCU is a great one. Uh isn't the meme better than the actual play? <laughs> well, the play is great because I forgot about this, but Gus was on the call. Oh, he was. What Gus, Gus is – you probably shouldn't turn it up on your computer right now, but Gus just loses it, just loses his mind. Um, I'm listening to it as you're talking right now. But, yeah, the, the meme is great. Um, what else? We got – You dropped a holy cow. <laughs> We got Tyreek's uh, kickoff return against Iowa State. The track finish. The track that finish was, awesome. was amazing. Justin Gilbert against KU to start the game in 2013. <laughs> yeah. KU and the infinite sadness continues. Yes. And then Justin Gilbert against Texas. This is when you all, you probably fainted on your – this is the early days of the blog. Yeah. Uh, for, first year of the blog. And the Gilbert kickoff return, I think, nearly ended the account before it, it began. It did. It did. Uh, and then lastly, Whedon to Bateman, 67-yard Fiesta Bowl touchdown. That's a great one. I mean, how, how good was Justin Blackman in the Fiesta Bowl? That might be the best individual game um, maybe since Barry Sanders, in my opinion. Better, as as, better than Rashawn in the Cotton Bowl against Eli? Yes, that was that was pretty impressive. What he did. What, the were, what was Rashawn's numbers in that game? He, he had like uh, I think it was the game. He didn't do anything in the first half. Then he had like two forty in the second half with like two or three touchdowns. Yeah, that's true. Well, uh, 
Josh Fields only had like 307 yards passing in that game. So he yeah. got like 240 of it. Yeah, I think it was like 237 or something like and that. And that broke a Cotton Bowl record at the time. Yeah. <laughs> for passing yards. Yeah. But uh, to illustrate your point here on the big plays, Kyle, I, I got I got a stat for you. Okay. Um, OSU last year had four passes of 80-plus yards. They're the second team in the last six years to do that. Just wow. Their knack for the big play has been – Historic, really. I mean, six years a long time with as many games that are played in college football. Do you know who the other uh, team to do that was in the last It was Was- Washington State back in, uh, it was like three, two or three years ago. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it, it, it's the crazy part to me is like teams know what they're doing. It's not like it should surprise anyone that Oklahoma State's throwing deep and yet their ability to continue to do it. And, and now you're, you're, you kind of offset it because you've got justice Hill and you've got a a legitimate running game. So now it it does get a little trickier for defenses, but for a while there, I mean, was it surprising to defenses that they were throwing deep? That's all they could do. You know, that, that was like what they did. That was the entire offense at, at some points when the running game wasn't, wasn't really clicking. So I think the fact that not only that they've done it, but that they've done it the way that they've done it has been pretty impressive. That's a good point. And look no further than that, that Kansas state game we were mentioning, you know, they're down, they're on their own 20, you know, they're throwing deep in Washington. It's just insane how James Washington just runs by people. They know what he wants to do and he's just faster than them in pads. It's just, it's amazing to me. And, you and I were talking with uh, Remington Rebstock up at Carson Creek uh, for the golf deal, and he made an interesting point, and it's one I'm, I'm probably not going to forget as long as James Washington's playing football. He said, you know, most receivers, when the ball's in the air, you know, they look up and, you know, everyone's eyes get big. They, they slow down. They tend to slow down a little. He said Washington's the only guy he's ever seen that actually speeds up when the ball's in the air. Yeah, yeah. Which is a, which is a great point. It's something I've never even thought thought about, you know. So that's – that's part of how he gets by people. But he's just—he's an amazing receiver, and obviously had a lot of big plays. Um, we've got some storylines to talk about, um, but first, I, I do want to. While we're still on this uh, this long plays uh, post, I'd like to toast somebody on here, if that's okay. Sure. You, you want to do that? Okay. Toast. Uh, it's time for the Coop Aleworks Toast of the Week. Coop Aleworks bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA. The bold DNR Belgian strong ale, or the refreshing horny toad blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold coupe works, and please remember to drink responsibly. Uh, you've got to get together with friends this weekend, in which you're going to be consuming some some coupe works. Yeah, I I play fantasy football, unlike yourself. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you don't play fantasy football, but I know. Uh, I, know. I think I think Coop's going to loan me some uh, some beverages for that. It'll be fun. We did that last year. Uh, going to the lake, so it's my last little hurrah before uh, a college football starts. So yeah, Coop, uh, I'm hoping to toast a few uh, Saturday sirens. That's kind of the new, the hot new jam from uh, from Coop. So that's that's why I want to toast. Yeah, that is, that is what I'm going to toast to uh, Josh Stewart. Um, so Kyle Cox wrote this post, and uh, he he wrote on here. I'm I'm just going to read it because I agreed with it. He said. Josh Stewart was a dude, and I still wish he would have stayed around for his senior season. Not that it would have necessarily made a difference for Oklahoma State in 2014. It was just fun to watch him play. 
And I totally agree. Like the guys, like like we remember the Blackmans and the Whedons and the Randalls and people like that. But Josh Stewart was a really, really good college football player, and he was really fun to watch. And he sort of is the type of guy that I think gets a little bit lost when we're talking historically about college football and Oklahoma State football specifically. Um, so yeah, a toast to Josh Stewart who had a really excellent uh, collegiate career in Stillwater. I like that. Uh, you know who I I want to do another toast for a guy kind of like what you mentioned. Just to, I mean, this guy was awesome. <laughs> so I don't. I mean, I'm not saying he's underrated, but I think he's he's one of the more underrated players actually in the the Les Miles uh, era. And that's uh, I want to toast a briefcase Brown because he would get about 40 carries a game. Uh, Vernon Morency. Oh wow. Uh, like, We've been doing this Jersey countdown on Channel 5, you know, 33 days away. I ran Vernon Morrissey, and when I pulled up this guy's highlights, Kyle, first of all, he had the reflective visor, like the mirror visor, which is just... Yeah, mean. Just as good as it gets, uniform-wise. And then he was awesome. He was an incredible football. He had over, like, he had over 300 yards a couple, two or three times. He had over, like, 250 against UCLA. He was unbelievable, and yeah. uh, he's a guy who kind of gets lost in the shuffle amongst the you know the great running backs and all that. But uh, Vernon Morris, he's that guy for me, Kyle. Yeah, I like it. That's a good one. Um, yeah, we we could fill up the rest of the year just toasting people from the the Les Miles and early Mike Gundy era that have gotten kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit. I was trying to think of another one, but we should probably move on before I <laughs> just keep going. Ju- Julius Crossland, how about that? Oh wow, fullback. Yeah. He was great. Sean Willis for talking fullbacks. That's another great 37. Yeah. I think he was 37. Wasn't that, Julia, wasn't that his name? Julius Crossland? Am I making yeah. that up? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, okay. Let's talk storylines. I wrote today about what I think are the 10 biggest storylines of the season. Uh, some people might disagree, which is fine. I didn't include every storyline, but... Uh, just the 10 that, that stick out to me. So I'm going to kind of go through them uh, one by one and just kind of get your thoughts on, um, yeah, just just whether you think whether you agree that these are big storylines going into the year. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, number 10 is uh, Oklahoma State having an elite offense. Um, 2011, they scored 3.4 points per drive, which is an outrageous number. <laughs> uh, to compare that to last year, they scored 2.9, which was that was a really good offense last year. But 3.4 is the benchmark uh, in Oklahoma State offensive history. Um, I'm curious to see if they can get in that 3.2, 3.3, 3.4 type range. Uh, I think they can, but it's going to be tough. How about 2008 being 3.2? Yeah. That was a heck of an offense. But, yeah, 3.42 is just absurd. And that's how absurd the twenty. But do you think do you think that's attainable? Do you think they can get up to three point four? No, I I don't. I think they can get in the three point two or three point three range. I mean, if you look back at last year, there were only four or five teams that got above three point two in the country out of one hundred and thirty or or whatever there are the one hundred twenty eight. So I mean, if you if you're in the three point three range, like that's that's a you're one of the five best offenses in the country essentially. So. I think they can do 3.2, 3.3, 3.4 is, I mean, that's, that's crazy. That's a crazy number. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I, I think they can get up to the three range, which is necessary. 
By the way, uh, speaking of points per drive, 2000. Let me see here. When when did Florida State win it all? 2013. So 2013, they averaged 4.06 points per drive. Dude, they were awesome. <laughs> they, they broke they, they broke uh, they broke OU's record from 2008 for most points scored. That's and the the, the crazy thing is they were a pro style offense. Yeah. Which nowadays hardly anybody's running, and they still scored that many points. That's how that's how many pros they had. Uh, number two that year was Ohio State at three point four nine. So they weren't even within a half a point. God, that's absurd. <laughs> Jameis Winston was damn good. Yeah, that that was uh, that was pretty crazy. Uh, okay, number nine on storylines uh, is the kicking game. Oklahoma State has won twenty games in the last two years. Uh, eight of those have been decided by seven or fewer points. And I just I the questions that I have at kicker have not been answered this fall. Um, have they for you? I mean, have have we even asked the question? <laughs> how, well, how do we even know? I what? mean, they they na- they named a starter, but Gundy hasn't. Well, they didn't officially name a starter. He more or less named Matt Amendola the starter, but it, it just he, he he's never really seemed super confident about it. Like when you when you hear Gundy talk about even Ben Grogan or you know guys that he really believed in, like you get the sense that you're like, okay, this guy's going to be pretty good because Gundy's confident in him, and I don't feel like I don't feel that about about Matt Amendola. Yeah, you just haven't heard much at all. So I guess that's a valid point as far as Gunny's comments. But, I mean, I don't know anything about him. But, uh, you know, it's kind of funny, Kyle. We didn't, I don't know about you, but I didn't feel that confident in Ben Grogan. And he became the all-time leading scorer in school history, mainly because they kicked a lot of field goals. But he was pretty money from about 40 in. It was when he got outside of that range that he was he was dicey. But man, from forty in, he was pretty pretty good and hit a lot of big kicks in his career. So that's that's one of the bigger question marks. No one's really talking about is is can Matt Amendola hit hit a clutch kick? We we don't know yet. He hit he hit a really long one against Central Michigan, which no one remembers. But that was the only field goal he's made in his career. So it's yeah. a huge question mark. Um. Okay. Number. Go eight. for it. Just go for it instead. That's what I. Yeah. Said. I'm in. Let's do it. If you're, if you're outside like 35 yards, I'm going for it. Like outside the 35 yard line? Well, I sort of like a 35 yard kick. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Man, I, I mean, maybe Matt Amendola will be will be Dan Bailey. I don't know, but maybe they should only do it when they're like between a 35 yard kick and a 50 yard kick. So, like, if it's a 50, <laughs> 51 yarder or more, they should they should let him kick it. <laughs> um, how good? Uh, are the cornerbacks, you know, this has obviously been a storyline all fall. Just, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I think AJ, I think AJ Green's going to be pretty good, but some other people don't. And I'm curious to see what your, what your take is on that. He's a pretty good receiver for the Bengals. I like AJ Green. (laughs) Uh, no, it illustrates kind of what we talked about or I brought up a few weeks ago, Kyle is, you know, Oh, she's been recruiting well on defense. They have, athletes we just don't know their names and haven't seen them play i mean i i thought adam lunt and his his prediction piece kind of did a really good job illustrating how much speed and and talent and athleticism they now have on defense which they haven't really had in a long time and so and i think you made the point in your piece that is mike gundy really moving ramon richards to safety if he if there's just nobody there I, i have a hard time believing that too that's a great point by you uh i 
I don't know. It's it's an unknown. It's it's the biggest question mark on the team for me. But there's a lot of positive reports about AJ Green. So you're you're ready to call him a superstar, apparently. Yeah, I'm in. I'm all the way in because I, as conservative as Gundy is, I don't think he would be okay moving Ramon if he didn't know at least one of those guys at corner was going to be a star. I, I really, I really don't think he would. And you know, maybe that doesn't work out. Maybe they have to move Ramon back like three games in. But I just think that uh, I don't know. I've just got a feeling about about Green. I think he's going to be pretty good. You said, you said Gundy's conservative decisions sometimes make Ted Cruz look like Hillary Clinton. <laughs> it's true. Um, we should move on. The okay. the uh, running back and safety one two punches. So you've got you've got different uh, personnel at running back and safety this year. Uh, instead of Justice Hill and Chris Carson, it's going to be Justice Hill and J D King at least to start out the year. Uh, number one and number two. And then at safety, instead of Trey Flowers and Jordan Stearns, you have Trey Flowers and Ramon Richards. Do you think that the new combos can be as good or better than the old ones? I certainly think the safety combo can. Um, I, I think Ramon, obviously we've talked a lot about, makes big plays. Trey Flowers is one of the better safeties in OSU's history, in my opinion. I think yeah. he, he can really put a stamp on that this season. Chris Carson was so good the last half of the year last year. I'm a little, I'm a little hesitant to say the running back combo can be as good because man, he was dominant towards the end of the year last year. Yeah, and yeah. you see what he's doing with the Seahawks right now. He was awesome. He he kind of fulfilled everything that we had heard about him and why the coaches were so high on him. So I, I haven't seen JD King play a snap. Maybe he's better than Chris Carson. I don't know, but I'm a little, I'm I'm more I'm more ready to say that about the safeties than uh, than the running backs. It's a good point, but I, I think also at, at running back, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, Justice Hill's going to be better than he was last year. And so, like, you're getting a better version of Justice Hill. Therefore, I don't think J.D. King has to be as good as Chris Carson was to kind of match the, 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 the level of, of how good those two were last year. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean... J.D. King's from, from Georgia, SEC country. We, we hear amazing things about him, so I'm looking forward to watching him play. And yeah. Justice Hill, obviously, was, was a star. So. I'm looking forward to watching Justice Hill play after, you know, obviously what he did last year and just gaining some weight. And I don't know. I'm I'm fired up about him this year. And the number five, how good is that going to look? Yeah, it's Sing, great. Single digit. Yeah, shout out to Keith Tostin. Shout out to Keith Tostin. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Number six uh, is the wide receiver pecking order. So we're talking about this the other day, but you know, we we everybody wants to say, well, they they got the deepest receiving core in the country, which is probably true. But you know, Kyle Cox brought up a good point. He said, you know, over the course of a season, these thing there, there seems to like a pecking order seems to emerge. In terms of you know who's Rudolph's go-to guy, who does he go to in this situation, and and you don't get, you never end up with like five guys having seven hundred yards, right? Like one guy emerges, then another guy, then another guy, and, and so on. And so I'm interested to see, you know, is is uh, Tyron Johnson going to be the number one or number two guy? Like, could that happen? I don't think it will, but it could. And and I'm I'm fascinated to see how that kind of plays out at, at the beginning of the season. 
Yeah, I don't think Tyron has a chance to be the number one. I think that's that's James Washington by like by a long ways. Um, I am interested to see how they use Tyron Johnson. And it seems like every other week, Kyle, they bring up some freshman who's going to be playing. Like, where is this guy? Where is Tylen Wallace going to be playing? Where is Dylan Stoner, who's like the favorite son of, of Mike Gundy, going to play? <laughs> In the Slack chat, someone mentioned some walk-on who's impressing. A yeah. walk-on's going to get on the field as a receiver? Like, they have Land- so many guys. Landon Wolf. <laughs> the, What's the, a Landon Wolf? The lone wolf. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, is he playing over Tylen Wallace? Is he playing over Jalen McCleskey? Is he playing over Chris Lacey, Marcel Aitman? Like, it's absurd how many receivers they have. But, uh, no, I think I think the pecking order will be – you want to predict who will have the most yards in order? Yeah, yeah, do it. Do it for me. Give me uh, Washington one. Give me McCleskey two. Mm-hmm. Tyron three, Aitman four, Lacey five. Wow. I, the reason I have McCleskey so high is I feel like he he fits a role that the other three are kind of not filling. If that makes sense, I feel, I feel like I feel like Aitman, Watt, uh, Lacey more deep threats. Lacey, Lacey too could work the underneath stuff, but McCleskey is such a specific fit for us the slot position and you said he's gonna run about 55 like that uh i think that's why i have him too um okay so i think that in terms of the top five i, I think i think I'd, you'd be foolish to say anybody but washington at, at number one um hey you, you did predict in 2011 josh cooper would have more receiving yards than justin blackman so you can yeah. you can pick someone else Nate, Nate hasn't let me forget that. It's 2017, and he's still talking about it. Do you, do you want to pick someone else instead of Washington? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, I, I think McCleskey at two is is probably the correct choice. I, 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 I don't know if it's what everybody would pick, but I think it's I think that's the right choice. Um, and then I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say Aitman at three. Aitman had like. I want to say 750 yards in 2015. Um, he was, he, I mean, obviously he was really good. I, I think that sometimes we only think of him as being like an inside the red zone type guy, but um, he had some really big, long plays for, for Oklahoma state. And, you know, I, we argued about this last time. I think he sort of became like a go-to guy for Rudolph when he had to have 10 yards or he had to have 13 yards. Um, so I'll go, I'll go Aitman three. I I guess I'll go Tyron Johnson at, at four and then Lacey at five. It, it it feels wrong to have a potential NFL player at number five. <laughs> yeah, that's what Lacey is. But I it's almost like we you can't have Tyron Beckham Rice any lower than four though, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean like well and, and he's he's the X factor though, right? Like I, I don't know what he's gonna do because we haven't seen him. And we've seen all the other guys. Like we sort of know what we're getting, but is he gonna is he gonna you know go deep a lot? Is he gonna play underneath a lot? I, I just I don't know how they're gonna use him and how much they're gonna use him or anything. Um, would you be surprised if Stoner or or Tillon Wallace slid into that top five? I I would be more surprised if Stoner did than Tylen Wallace. I mean, Tylen Wallace is you know an elite high school recruit. Um. 
So I'd be more surprised if it was Stoner. But I, I like Stoner a lot. I just there's just not very many passes to go around once you get past five. Yeah. But uh, you said you said Tyron will be the CFP committee wants us to play this game literally inside a phone booth. <laughs> so let's give it to number thirteen all night. What, you, what do you mean by that? He's great in a phone booth. That's what Mike Yersich so, told me. So you're just saying the committee would just throw some ridiculous notion that they should play a football <laughs> game instead? <laughs> probably. They'd probably okay. make yeah, they'll probably make Oklahoma State like play extra games to get into the playoff. Well, and you know, Herb Street was big on the eye test. Just just let Ty, let, just let Tyron Johnson be first off the bus with his <laughs> uniform on and we'll <laughs> that should help OSU. And then Aaron Cocker in a second, the 700-pound man from California. Yeah, the, the mountain might be first, actually. Yeah. Um, okay, number five is, are we sure Are we sure about the offensive line? No. Yeah. <laughs> no one's sure. <laughs> I know. I know. And I think that's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting early season storyline. You write in your piece, 104 sacks in the last three seasons. Not great. Not, not good. No, not good. But uh, I, I do think uh, Josh Henson's a good coach. Yes. I do think they have a lot of experience. That that has to help. I mean, if they were all – they were turning over an offensive line that had given up 100 sacks, maybe that would be a good thing. But I think it's a positive thing that they have experience, at least, playing at this level. And guys who played a lot of football. And, you know, people don't think about offensive line. Like, you have to know – what you're doing. It's, it's not just block the guy in front of you. You know, they're pulling, they're doing all sorts of stuff that, that experience helps. So that, maybe that'll help, but that's a big concern because if Rudolph gets hit, like he has been, I don't think he'll last the season. And there were rumors that he was banged up in in Bedlam as well. So that's a huge yeah. concern. And, and I think the other encouraging thing is they figured out the run game in the second half of the year. They averaged like six yards a carry over the last seven games or something. That's a, that's a 2011 type number. If they can do that, for the whole year, they're going to win a lot of games. Um, which which turned which turned Mike Gundy into Pat Jones. Yeah, literally, <laughs> it became one. The uh, the turnover scoreboard. So, I, how about this stat for you, Carson? In the last six years, Oklahoma State's finished in the top ten in turnover margin four times. They've done it. They did it in 2011. They were uh, number four. I think 2013, they were number one in the country in turnover margin and 2015 and 16, they were like ninth and 10th. They've averaged winning over 10 games in those four years. In the other two years, 2012. Uh, so that was Monkton's last year and 2014, which was the disaster Dax Garmin year. They were number 59 and number 111 in turnover margin. And they averaged just over seven wins in those seasons. So, Turnover margin is a big deal. Yeah, and it, it seems on the surface like turnover margin would be fluky, but you had the numbers right there. It's it's not, and I've talked to Glenn Spencer about it before. They practice it. Like they put a huge emphasis on it. They had that slogan, I think, we're taking it back or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if that's still existence or not. But but I do think I do wonder if there's any correlation to this. Uh, Adam Lunt in his piece brought up how many first downs they gave up. I think they gave up maybe more first downs to their opponents than they actually gained, which with their it was, offense. It was, it was very close, yeah. They were, they were close. And I wonder, I do wonder if there's correlation there with trying to strip the ball as opposed to just making the tackle and giving up first downs. I have no idea if those two numbers are related, but it's interesting. But I, I, would, I would place more value on the turnovers and trying to force them and giving up, you know, and giving up an extra couple yards than uh, 
just making the tackle because because turnovers are as you, as you pointed out are just so important and yeah. they've become really good at it. Yeah. Uh, number three, handling the hype. Um, I don't know. This we've talked about it a lot, but this team is not, or Oklahoma State in general is not used to having this much hype heading into a season. And I'm curious to see how they handle it. I think they're going to handle it well. I think Gundy has made a point to be honest with them and say people are going to be talking you up and you got to be mature about it, mature about it, etc. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see when the chips are down, when the games start. How, how well they handle all that. Well, it's unprecedented, the hype they're getting. I mean, Andy Staples picked OSU to make the national championship game. Not just win the Big 12, not just make the Final Four, make the national title game against Alabama. Andy picked Mason Rudolph to win the Heisman. So it's it's all unprecedented. I think the old-timers are just already seeing ghosts and, and just think everything's going to hell. But it's an, <laughs> illust- it's an illustration of what Mike Gundy's done. I mean, it's not a fluke that they've – They've had a top ten ranking in eight of the last ten years. Like Mike Gundy's built a national, nationally recognized program, and I, I do think in the preseason, Kyle, people get tired of picking Ohio State, USC, uh, Alabama, and, and look. I think they look for another option, which is part of why I think OSU's getting a lot of hype. But the other reason is they've been really good the last ten years, and it's not a it's not a a huge reach to pick them to do what they're doing. What they're yeah. picking them? Yeah. Uh, number two, we've got uh, – actually, let's take a break before the, the first two, and let's talk uh, – you want to talk unis real quick? Yeah. This, uh, let's get to this week's uniform preview brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Um, I want to I save the, the last two for, for just a few minutes from now, but uh, is there anything you're excited about for the season in terms of, of uniforms? You know, they, they've, they've debuted – different stuff uh every year for the last however many years so we're we're very likely to see at least one or two new things specifically probably around homecoming uh what are you looking forward to about the uni year well i've I've lost count how many helmets they have now I, I really have they have so many and they keep coming up with new ones which is always exciting and fun to talk about i, I really want to see kyle the matte black brand helmet that they used to wear that that to me is still my favorite helmet despite all the new things they've debuted i want to see that again is is that is the brand still alive save the brand save the brand is it alive (laughs) uh and i I do want to see you know dave hudson on our last pod pointed out he liked black black orange and he he sent us a photo on twitter i'd like to see the updated version of that with the matte black helmet um that would be really cool and i'm just more than anything, Kyle, I want to see new combinations we haven't seen before. I mean, I've seen white, orange, white. Let's mix it up, wear something they haven't worn before. That's kind of what I want to see. Yeah, um, I, I'm. I, I just I always look forward to homecoming because the last couple of years they've had a, a different helmet, a different look. You know, they had the uh, the the cool striped socks a couple of years ago that they've sort of kept around, and it, it just it, I don't know that that part of the season is always exciting to me from a, a uniform standpoint i did see i don't know if you saw this on twitter that like 67 teams or, or maybe it was more than that i think it was 67 out of 130 are getting uh uniform changes this year in college wow football. is this a nike thing no it's across all i mean adidas oh. nike everybody yeah. but it's just 
it, it's 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 part of the sport. You know, I I know people maybe don't like it, but like it's 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 up there with. I'm not going to say it's like equivalent to recruiting, but it's it's part of the conversation of college football. Yeah, if you're not doing it, you're behind. Like basically, it's it's become that important as far as yeah. recruiting goes and the players. And you know what would be a great move this year, Kyle? <laughs> you know how upset OU fans are with the 1945 national championship if if OSU would wear 1945 throwbacks in Bedlam. Mm. Like, wouldn't that just wouldn't that just I just incense the OU fans? It would be. It would be a it would be a great move. Oh, it would be just like like legit throw. I kind of do you see the Notre Dame throwbacks they're gonna wear where they made the helmet look like a leather helmet? No. Oh, these are sweet. I mean, they're they're kind of ugly because they got all the this old rusty gold look because Notre Dame, but they're called like the Newt Rockney throwbacks, and they they make the shoes look like old leather shoes, and the helmet look like an old leather helmet. So if they could kind of copy that with 1945 all blacks, that would look pretty cool. Um, I see this now. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. Isn't that cool how they made it look kind of like old leather looking? Yeah, yeah. That's that's real cool. That'd be a big time troll job by OSU. Just to have the trophy out at midfield for the coin toss uh, for Bedlam, the 1945. <laughs> 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 OU fans hate it. They hate I know. it. I love it. It's so good. Um, like someone, had a, someone had a great tweet uh, <laughs> uh, when I was – I think we were discussing this on Twitter. <laughs> I think it was David Beal was his name. He said, you know, OSU fans thought it was kind of neat and amusing until OU fans were annoyed by it. Then we bought all the shirts. All the <laughs> shirts. <laughs> that was his tweet. It was pretty funny. Oh, that's good. Speaking of speaking of Bedlam, number two on my list of storylines is the Bedlam monkey. And you can say that Gundy got rid of it in 2011, but... There's a uh, maybe it's not a monkey, maybe it's a chimpanzee. I don't know. I don't know how big the monkey is, but there is certainly there is <laughs> there is certainly still a uh, some sort of uh, ape-like creature on Mike Gundy's back. It's Harambe sitting on top of King Kong's shoulders on Mike <laughs> Gundy's back, and that's we we talked about it. I mean, I just want to see Mike coach like he does every other game against Oklahoma instead of running off tackle. You know, I, I brought this up recently. The 2011 game, like, people just remember that as a total blowout, Kyle. Do you know what the score was in the first half with, like, three or four minutes left? I don't know, but Whedon didn't have a touchdown that night. I remember only, that. O- only game that season he didn't have a touchdown pass. But do you know what the score was with three minutes? It was it was 10-3. to three. Wow. And, you know, it was not this big blowout. And what happened? Well, the, the Jamie Blatnick fumble that we referenced earlier. The Alex Elkins makes a great play. The defense basically scores a touchdown to make it 17-3. to And then you're, then you're up by two scores. You can, Mike Gundy could breathe a little. And then what happens to start the second half? The Landry Jones, like, throws it behind himself, and Rochetti Jones picks it up and scores. Like, without those two defensive touchdowns, Mike Gundy might have kept going into the shell. I mean, it was not it was not this just overwhelming butt kicking that we all remember if you go back and look at it. So that's kind of even the game Mike Gundy dominated. They weren't just, you know, opening it up, slinging it around, playing fearless. It was more running the football, like which is what he does against OU. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a huge question. That, that to me is the number one question, because as much as we want to talk about cornerback offensive line, the players don't even matter if you're not going to coach aggressively and play to win it doesn't even matter the rest is irrelevant because you're not beating OU playing conservatively 
no matter who the head coach is. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally true. Um, okay, number one, can Oklahoma State really make the college football playoff? <sighs> they can. Um, I don't think we're examining the schedule hard enough. I mean, their schedule's not easy. <laughs> I mean, I know. It's never easy to make the playoff, obviously. But I think people are really overlooking the game at West Virginia. Yes. So, to me, that's the toughest game on the entire schedule. Obviously, OU is the most important. Uh, but the hardest game, you know, OU's at home. OSU's been, OSU's been a really good team at home. But at West Virginia is a tricky game. It's weird. Uh, it's a long trip. That'll probably be a night game. That, that to me, is a, is a stumbling block. Um, but their schedule's not – I mean, they get, they get the big teams at home. They get OU at home, Kansas State at home, TCU at home. But they do go on the road to uh, Texas and West Virginia. Those two are, are key. So I, I think they can, Kyle. I just – the Big 12 title game's a, a huge uh, wrench in the, in the schedule as well. That, to me, can that, – that, to me, is going to be a hard game to win no matter who they play. So I, while they can, I – I don't know if I, I can't pick them to do it because I, I need to see Mike coach a little more aggressively in Bedlam before I can pick them. Do you think they can get into the playoff without going 13 and 0? I do. And I thought you made a great point in your piece about it because of the pre the preseason hype. People say it doesn't matter. It does. Like when OSU was coming back in 2011, they came from where were they ranked preseason that year? Like were they ranked? <laughs> they might not have been. They might have been in the high twenties, maybe. No, they were. They were ten, or they were. Yeah, they were ten because the year before they had gone ten and two, and and they uh, just right. um, they had just come off beating, uh, or I guess eleven and two because they they hammered Arizona in the uh, Alamo Bowl. Okay. Well, I mean, I I do think the hype will help as far as you know. It's not as far fetched to say OSU should be in the playoff when everyone's right. been talking about them all off season. Because right. that was kind of the problem too, Kyle. In in 2011, wasn't it? I mean, there was they were still kind of just little old OSU, you know, with that with that crazy coach, yeah. you know. Now, now seven six years later, they've earned much more capital nationally. Yeah, I agree, and and I think if the if the playoff committee has has taught us anything, it's that if you're a, if you're an Ohio State or an Alabama, you have to you don't you don't have to you don't really have to prove anything. Like you just have to. You can lose a game and people will make excuses for you and whatever. Um, you have much less to prove as an entity than an Oklahoma State does, than a Michigan State does, than a Mississippi State does. Uh, those teams have to prove something. And I think what's interesting about this year, you're talking about the Big 12 title. I think Oklahoma State can go 12-0 and and lose the Big 12 title and they would not get in. But... I think they can go 11 and 1, lose let's say at West Virginia and then win the Big 12 title and get in. Like I, I think that if you lose a game, don't let it be the Big 12 title. Let it be at West Virginia or at Texas or just basically anything other than than losing the Big 12 championship because I think I just don't think if you're Oklahoma State there's any way you get in without being a conference champion. Juggernaut theory. And there's no greater proof of the juggernaut theory than what you just mentioned. OU, 2003, lost the Big 12 title game to Kansas State, got their doors blown off, and incredibly, were still top two in the BCS. That would never happen for OSU. No. Like, can you believe that? Like, even in hindsight, that's they got in over an undefeated Auburn. Yeah, that that's incredible. 
That that's crazy. Was that the Cadillac Williams team? Well, maybe that was 2004. They got in over because they were unbeaten. I think 2003 they got in over USC, uh, the uh, Carson Palmer USC team. That's right. Yeah, you remember right. USC claimed the Rose Bowl as a national title. Yeah, when they beat uh, Michigan. Uh, they beat someone bad, but in, and in 2004, OU got in over an undefeated Auburn. Like, could you imagine an undefeated SEC team getting left out of the national title game? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Nowadays. So that, Uh, yeah, that, that illustrates your point for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's university spirit. And then we, we will come back and, uh, wrap up and head to the weekend. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, uh, 10 storylines. Do you have any to add to that? Um, are you are you pleased with my list? Would you take anything off of it? Uh, Storyline to follow, James Washington becoming the all-time leading receiver in OSU's history. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a big one. I mean, he only he needs, I say only, he needs 1,491 yards to do it, which is certainly attainable um, if he has a big season, obviously. Uh, that's that's a big one. Uh, Mason Rudolph-Heisman campaign, that's kind of illustrated in your, your elite offense. But, uh, man, what if Mason Rudolph won the Heisman? That would be a heck of a storyline. That would be. Very I, mean, I, just, I was just. I was just. I, I, that sounded funny because I was just picturing him in New York with his shades on, like that meme that I posted. Just QB one in it up. That'd be New very York. good. It'd be a very good year for the blog if Mason. Rudolph I, I'm. The I will say, Kyle, I'm getting very much 2011 vibes from Mason. Have you heard him yeah. talk lately? Yeah, I have, and I was talking to my dad about this. Like th- those guys, Rudolph and and all the guys, they they talk like they're just gonna hammer everybody. Like they're just gonna just house teams like they talk and and I, i'm this is why i'm interested in the in the tulsa game they talk like they're going to be tulsa 60 to nothing and they might i mean i they might not but i think i think that they are so confident in their offense that i i just i don't know i think they're going to be just awesome well they're loaded and i think um the defense can be better than we kind of expect. So I think they're in for a big, big season. So it's going to be a lot of fun, man. I can't wait. Yeah, certainly is. Okay. Enjoy your fantasy football. Enjoy the coop. Enjoy Taylor Swift's new single, which comes out tonight. (laughs) Enjoy, uh, enjoy book club. Yeah. Yeah, I will. I've got a, I got a novel to, to get going on. So, um, (laughs) we will talk to you next week. Game week. Let's do it. Back at it. Okay. Talk to you then.